to another episode of Standing Eight. I'm Paul Fitzgerald. I'm joined by my co-host, three-time world champion and boxing Hall of Famer, Jeff Fennick. Well, four times, <laughs> yeah. And the voice of Australian boxing, Ben Damon. G'day, Paul. Yeah, great to be here, mate. Uh, really special guest, John Stephenson, is here today. Um, Olympic medalist, uh, one of Australia's most successful ever athletes. Um, I, I went through your record this morning. I think we forget just how many major mm-hmm. tournaments you won. Um, <laughs> do, so. do you feel that, that you're sort of... <laughs> Like underrated by, by the most the most successful Australian sprinter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, male sprinter. There's been a lot of great female yeah. sprinters, but um, yeah, I think I don't know. Like, I think humility is like something my parents taught me. And even though how I athletically how I was, I was quite extroverted, and I knew that's what sold when I was running as an athlete. But at home, um, even Jeff having Jeff as a friend, there's no way I can be cocky or arrogant. Right. You'll put me in my place in a second. Yeah. All my friends are pretty much like that. So when you ask me, do I feel like I'm being underrated? Um, no, I know what I've done and I'm, and I'm pretty comfortable. My friends and the people I hang out with know what I've done and they respect me for not only my athletic feats, but for who I am as a person. So I'm pretty comfortable with that. Um, but, you know, when I, when I look back, like, and working with younger kids now, it's, it's, I get every now and then I get a little like, shit, I did that, you know, and I'm asking them to do it. And I'm like, oh, I actually did that. And it puts me in a good position of influence. And that's why I'm still involved with the federation now and still working and mentoring kids and coaching younger kids and stuff, which um, is really my vocation is giving that part back. So, um, but no, it's cool, man. It, I, I, when I, I just moved back from Melbourne and I was going through uh, packing everything up and I was looking through uh, like my scrapbook and I was like, shit, like I, I could did some shit, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you, did you, know, you forget, you just move on. I'm sure when you look at, look around at, in Jeff's sort of Hall of Fame room here, he, I'm sure he does the same thing. He looks like, I did that fight, I did this, I did that, I did that. And you remember all the moments leading up to those those times. Yeah, but I don't think Australia really appreciate or um, know enough about about this guy. And like I said, when I first met up with John, then met his, met his father and um, yeah, it was an amazing occasion. His dad's one of those... Um, old school, real dads that just loves their kids unconditionally and wants them not just to be the best but he wants them to to, to be the best in sport and in life. And I think that if, if you've got those principles, especially with life, uh, your principles in, in sport um, just come to flow. And ever since I've known John, he never even trained here in Australia. He's training in America, trying to be better than everybody else. And I think that's why he holds the records and um, he has the, uh, the wins that he has because he worked harder than anybody else. Um, John, you talked before we started about your dad um, meeting yeah. Jeff for the first time. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. So my my, old, my father's like an old school, like just old school trade. He just works 38 hour days if he has to, comes home, works, comes home, works. So, Excuse uh, me, 38 hour days? If he has to. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> a, it's a expression if you're right, a trainee. Okay, you, know, okay. you don't stop. There's no such All thing right. as 24 hours. All you right. just keep working, you know okay. what I mean? So he um, – he, he, uh, I, he came to Sydney and I said to my dad, I said, oh, do you want to go have dinner with, with, with Jeff? And my dad was like, <clears> my dad, I, I try and take him to like grand finals, Australian Open, doesn't want to know about it. Nah, don't want to know. Even you saying, like you saying Bolt's a good mate of mine. And, and my dad's like, yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> he's not phased by anything. Not really phased by it. He's never starstruck at all. And the first time I seen him starstruck was down here down the road in Five Dog. Um, Taking him to dinner with Jeff, and my Feel old man was quiet. My old man kind of like he had like like glaze over his eyes. I thought, so I asked him on a, in the car. I was like, Dad, what? He's like, John, you don't understand what Jeff meant to us at, in the, at that time in our in our lives in, in the nineties yeah. and eighties. He goes, he stood up, he stood for what we were dreaming to be, 
you know, and he goes, it, 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 and I think there was moments of time when he watched Jeff fight, which he remembered raising us as, as kids, going to the, because he used to watch him in pubs, working all day, looking, going, Jeff's about to fight, I'm going to the pub to watch him, going back to work. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it, it really brought up those emotions for him, looking actually, this is, a, this is a, a guy which sort of he looked up to as a beacon of hope when he immigrated from South Africa, you know? So, yeah, yeah, and that was really, that was quite a surreal to see my old man like that because, you know, I looked at my dad as Superman growing up, you know, all the way, even till now, like I respect my, if it wasn't for my father, I wouldn't be half the man I am today. And and that's something he's always taught me is to cherish uh, my relationships and not to have a short memory for those that that help you to be where you are today. So, and that's one of the reasons why, but Jeff, I, I have a huge amount of respect for him because at a time when I was blacklisted when I, from Olympic Games in London, when I spoke out about racism and equality and about how what I felt where the Federation lacked as, a, as an organization, um, I came home and I, I was going through like mild depression without a doubt. Like I, I could tell I was, I was hurting a bit. And I met Jeff through a very good friend that I boxed with when I was a kid, um, Adam Forsythe, who went to Olympics in 2004 yep. in, in the heavyweight division. Yep. And, um, and, uh, and Jeff obviously must have recognized something in me that he could see, damn, this, this, this kid needs a bit of, bit of an arm around his shoulder. And, and, uh, and we went to Thailand like two days later. He's like, you've got to come meet to Thailand. And I was like, I said to my missus, man, Jeff, if anyone's going to come to Thailand, man, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what's going on here. Like, and it was because it was a Sunday. He told me, he's like, we're leaving Tuesday. And I said, oh, stuff it, man, I'm going to go. You're so gonna go. we went Tuesday and had a ball. And actually, it actually snapped me out of, what I was feeling that I was appreciated by somebody where I felt completely isolated and alone because I was like public enemy number one for what yeah. I stood up for at that time. Yeah. It was quite taboo at that time. Now you got goods, you got everybody talking about this racism and equality. But at the time when I when I did do it, people was like, what's he talking about? Make this run faster. You know, it was nothing about what I was trying to say. And um, and then after that, I when I got home, when I when I landed back, I, I my missus told me. Um, she was pregnant with my daughter. So like it was just, it was, so I always respect. That's strange while you're away. Yeah. Jesus. Well, lucky you were with me, so yeah. Be. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it's a, um, yeah, it, I, I, I respect my friendships and respect why I am here today. And, um, and yeah, I'm truly grateful, man. I'm really blessed. I've had a super duper like career this far in athletics and I'm having a great life as a man. One thing you just glossed over is, and not a lot of people know, you actually had an amateur boxing career. Yeah, I love fighting. Boxing was my first love. Like as a kid, um, um, I was pretty small as a boy and my parents got divorced. And I think my father could tell I was going to go off the rails. And um, he, he, I was good. At, I did a little athletics and I could run, but I was going through a growth spurt. I'm, I was not growing and every other kid was growing like around 11 and 12. So I was really struggling in athletics as well and coming last and... Old man took me to fighting, took me to boxing in in Perth, and uh, I started just training boxing, and then um, I ended up training with Ron Parr, who who's a Muay Thai uh, boxing coach, uh, Muay Thai coach in in um, in Perth, and then Ron took me to Jeff Peterson, ended up being uh, one of the Olympic coaches in two thousand and four, and AIS coach, and and then um, ended up having my first amateur fight with with Jeff and and then yeah just went from there I just I, I loved him my first fight man I, I remember looking at my dad just how much I love my dad and I was a soft kid I still think I'm a soft dude like an angry cat like I'll get angry and I'll, and I'll stand up for what I believe in but I remember looking at my dad and I, I remember thinking what the, 
why? Like, get me out of here, man. <laughs> You're freaking out. I don't want to be here. Like, it was, I was like 40, 40 I, I, my first one was 44 and a half kilos. How old were you? A schoolboy. I uh, was 13 years of age, I think. You're blessed, mate. I was 18 and that hippie. <laughs> <laughs> I was 17 and that hippie. Yeah, man. But I thought I was so, and I looked at my dad and I would jump through the ropes. So my dad was my second corner man and Jeff was obviously my coach. And I looked at my dad like, nah, man, please. Like, this ain't it. Like, we got to stop this. <laughs> like, and then I had my first amateur fight and, I, and once I got through that, I, I started to really love it. And then um, and then you go through the, and Jeff would, as you guys know, being involved in fighting, you go through the politics of, 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 uh, of boxing and, different weight classes and Aboriginal kids coming out from north in a bus full and they're meant to be 44 kilos but they're 48 kilos. They're meant to have no fights but they've had eight fights and then you're getting bashed and and you're trying to figure out what's going on and you go So through, you thought running was better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. That's the actual truth. Yeah. I was 19 so I started 13. I had my last fight at 63 and a half kilos at 19. I fought a, 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 I thought he was a relatively good. He turned pro Ben Cruz. Oh, yeah. Um, I fought Ben Cruz in my last fight. and um, it's Tom's son. Tom, it's <laughs> <laughs> P.O. son. Um, so he, um, so I, uh, and I, and I, I was, I had, because I was pretty light on my feet. I, I, I was found women at that time too, and I found alcohol at nineteen. I, and my coach is saying, "Yeah, John, you got to train, man." I said, "I've got this, man. You know, I'll box the shit out of this bloke because he was a heavy hitter, he was a strong kid." And I, in the first round, I won the first round. We went back to the point system, won the second round, and then I just was. My feet stopped moving and he just pumped me from one corner to another corner to another corner. And I remember I remember looking at my father in the fourth round. It was a five-round fight. And I looked at my father in the corner and I stopped in the fourth. I didn't continue. It was he bashed me. Yeah. And, um, and my old man looked at me with utter disgust, like just because he warned me, my dad. He said to me before, he said, you should train, you know. And I said, Dad, you'll be all right. You should train. Dad, I'll be all right. Yeah. With skills, you know, you'll yeah. be all right. And um, and and yeah, that was my last fight. That was that was it. Was I want to go there. back to what you said about when you came home and you spoke out to your beliefs. How did you feel? How did how did you feel the Australian public and reacted to that? Because I remember, yeah, it, it wasn't good. I mean, if I, if, if I was you, I mean, if, or if that was me, wow. <laughs> yeah, although you did, you 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 um, uh, certainly stood up for yourself. What, what are you what are your, um, your recollections? Maybe give us a refresher as well of what yeah. you said and what the circumstances yeah. were. Long story short, um, I pretty much won everything in a year. I, I, I really trained hard and I there was a qualification sort of standard and criteria you had to make the Olympic Games and I missed out on one of the criteria and because um, I, I ran a stall gift and tore my hamstring in stall. And this is 2012? 2012, yeah. yeah. And I was I was I was quite I was content not to run the individual at, at the Olympic Games and just run the relay because I kind of if I wasn't there to win, I, I'd pull myself out. Like in 2008, um, I was number three in the world in 07 and 2008, I should have won a medal in, in Beijing. And I um, I got appendicitis and, and then I tore my hamstring like six weeks before the games. And I pulled out of the individual because I felt if I'm not going to win, I'm, I always felt like I'm only going to go to these championships if I have a chance to represent my country and win. I'm not going to fill lanes. Like I never wanted to do that. So um, when, when that happened in 2012, uh, they decided to put, well, they didn't give me the option to pull out. So what it would look like was John's not good enough. We're pulling him out. You We're, stepped over. I was stepped over, which for my brand and for my sponsors, which that's how I eat, it was a very, very bad look. So I was explaining to them behind the scenes saying, don't do that. We'll put this other younger kid in and look like I'm passing the torch because this is going to be my last Olympics. I've been to three already. So it'll be great. I think he's a good kid and I think he, he'll do very, very well. 
let's, let's make it look like I'm stepping aside and putting him in. And that way it's a great story that, you know, for the sport mm. and it's great for this young kid. And then when he does do well, it looks like we, there's some cohesion and there's some, everyone you know, supported yeah, him. everyone supported him to get there and it's great for the sport. Um, they didn't want to do it that way. And, and, um, and I gave him, I warned him, I warned the CEO at the time I said, I was in Paris and I said, if you don't, if you don't do it this way, I'm giving you 48 hours. I'm going to go to Channel 9 in Paris and I'm going to speak to the morning show and I'm going to give you double barrels. And they thought I wouldn't and I did. And then I just spoke out about everything, just about everything I'd gone through the last because we kept it all quiet for so many years. Um, like if I – like there's heaps of times and I'm pretty strong. I, like like guys in the team would call me nigger or, or coon or jungle bunny and stuff like that. And to me, from boxing, I just will fight him. <laughs> you know, I'll just deal with it myself. Like I didn't have to go nowhere and tell anybody. But the way we live the world now in 2020, you can't, if I go punch somebody, I'll be the bad guy in the situation. And if I go deal with it, I'm the, I'm the one that's the troublemaker. Yeah. You know, and then they'll say, okay, so what happened? And you have to do this whole, I guess, governance around, okay, how that situation happened. And it's like, I feel like that shouldn't, that you shouldn't have to have to break it down. It's, it's a humane sort of act and how you treat one another, especially on a team. And I just was speaking out about that in 2012, saying, look, I kept all that quiet all these years um, in order for the sport not to have negative publicity because I dealt with it myself. I would speak to those guys, explain to them how damaging it was to, to, to if you want to call me anything else, if you want to, if you, if we don't dig deep, I'm going to punch you in the face if you call me this. Yeah. If you want to have some banter and have a crack at me, go down that road. That's a better road for me and I'll, we'll deal with it that way. So, and I'd have a chat with them. And the two guys that did it, we became yeah. mates. Yeah. And you would know who they are. Like they, and we actually became really good mates afterwards, you know, because mm. they just needed some education around that. It's not just the word at that time. My parents immigrated here. I was the only, one of the only colored kids on the team. I already felt, already felt sort of alone. And then, so I was going to have my back up against the wall before I entered the team anyway. And then it's not going to take much to fuel me to say something that's going to have me on the edge. Yeah. So, um, uh, that's what I was only, only explaining because people say it is just a word and I'm big <clears> enough and strong enough to handle that. But when you're coming with all that baggage before you even get there and you're trying to perform the best for your country and you want those guys to be on your team or you want, at least feel that they want you to be successful, um, you can feel quite alone out there. It and, weighs you down a bit. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I, that's why eventually I think I got to a point where I, I sort of isolated myself a bit and became quite a loner in the team and just sort of thought, no, fuck it, I'm going to go there. Excuse my language, but right. I'm going to go there. I'm going to put the blazer on. I'm going to run for myself um, and I'm going to win whatever I can win and I'm getting the hell out of here. You know what I mean? And, and that's sort of the – and I hated that. So now being involved in a federation, I don't want a young kid to go through that. So I'm trying to, you know, be involved as a board member, um, being involved as a high-performance consultant. I want – you know, it doesn't matter if whatever, wherever you're from. Just I think it's pretty special, pretty smart that the um, the federation have done that. I mean, I think, uh, wow, I'm, I've been blessed enough to to know you for a few years, and I love being around you. I love um, I love what comes out of your mouth. I love what's um, implanted in your head. I mean, I've sat there with your dad and listened to him talk, and I know that those lessons that he he taught you that you um you know you practice what you preach. And for me, um, we done the show together. We done Celebrity Apprentice together, and um, <laughs> when I Seeing Johnny at work then and seeing how smart he was, oh wow, it was it was a, it was, a, it was a shock to me. Like, thanks, yeah. We we always had fun and had a joke, but <clears> when it was time to get to work and do what we had to do, without doubt, I'm not sure if you're listening, Steph Rice, but I thought John uh, deserved <laughs> to win the 
the celebrity apprentice by far. You can tell he's my mate, eh? Yeah, he's too kind. Yeah. Now, but I wouldn't have, look, again, I wouldn't have done the show without Jeff. I mean, that was a time I was going through a lot in my life. Yeah, and it, was, it, was. it was. It was a big thing at the yeah. time. And I, yeah, and I have no um, embarrassment. I asked Mark Broughton, listen, listen, I'd love to get John Stephenson on the show. And we got him on, and I think um, it was the best thing that happened. Yeah, Mark, Mark, Mark was great too. Mark, he was, was a great man. It was an important thing for you as well. It's probably a little bit sad, isn't it, that you needed that show to propel you into sort of mainstream. Well, well that, it certainly did, mate. Yeah, I, mean, I know, but, but, he, it. but he shouldn't have needed that. Well, without, I, I, without wouldn't, I wouldn't say propel me into mainstream. I, I'd say it changed the perception that people had of me. It gave them an opportunity to see another side, and that, and that's what I'm always thankful to the show. I'm not even sure it's another side with that. That's <laughs> just you, Johnny. No, I think yeah. I only saw yeah, that. Exciting. I understand. I understand that, but yeah. I mean, no, no, no. Yeah, and they heard you talk and stuff. But um, well, I was pretty well, wild as an athlete, man. Some of the shit I said. Maybe we shouldn't say that. No, but I know what you're saying. Like, but I think, and that's why I'm always, I'm forever again talking about. I don't have a short memory. I know what has been done for me. And with that show, it catapulted. It allowed me to get on the board of Athletics Australia because it calmed everyone's nerves around me. Because I think at the time, people felt I was just a firebrand that would that didn't have any. I guess. Um, control or any sort of game plan to what I was saying. I knew what I was doing every time. That's what they didn't understand. When they I spoke, thought you were dangerous. Yeah, they just thought this guy is just a, just, man, he's a recipe for disaster if we get around him, you know? So um, my sponsors knew who I was. That's why it never mm. made sense. I had a lot of great partners, you know, and they all knew me and backed me, but my federation wouldn't back me at the time. It made no sense. So Apprentice was a great opportunity. Jeff said, you know, you should do the show. He said, I'll speak to Mark for you. And then Jeff was close to David Gingell as well. And then um, and the rest is history. And that show really catapulted my brand um, where Ginge was awesome. After the show, he, he got me in and said, you know, um, uh, you should, you know, try wide water sports mm. if you want, son. And only 200,000 people watch. So if you mess up, don't worry. And I was like, 200,000 people, man. Like, God damn. So, um, and then the rest is history. I got to do five beautiful years on Wild Order Sports, which is a show I grew up watching. Yeah. Um, and again, if it wasn't for that opportunity, it wasn't for Jeff, um, Mark, and those people, I wouldn't have these opportunities, yeah. right? So I'm a big believer. You can't have a short memory, man, to get to where you are in your life, man. And a lot of people do, and it sickens me. So, yeah. Um, where do you think we're at now compared to 2012 in, in terms of racism in athletics yeah. and, and more broadly in Australia? Yeah, oh, in Australia, it's changed heaps. Amazing from 2012 to now. Yeah. Our education in Australia is we're still like a long way to go. I think there's lots still an undercurrent of racism, um, but I think that's just inherent um, through lack of education. I don't think it's because we come from a society which is evil or has sinister mm. like sort of ideology around um you know, race and what race stands for. This thing, it's just, it's just time, it'll evolve. I think the, the generation now is so educated through the mediums of internet, social media, that they're, that they're quite in tune on what is right and what is wrong. Um, it's just sort of the older generations, which it just became part of our colloquialism, it became how we live. Yes. And, um, and I don't think there's any um, venom in it, um, where a lot of the older generation, I think there's a lot of, I don't think I say Eddie McGuire situation, people might disagree with me, was it wrong completely? Um, should he have done it? No. Do I really think Eddie had venom in what he said? I don't think he did. No. You know, so, so, you know, that's my opinion on it. And, and, um, but, you know, these things, these words can hurt as you watch the Goodsy documentary, they can destroy you. Like some guys are not strong enough to handle it. Um, and I don't think they have a place in our society. I think through more understanding is, is great. But also I do feel um, we also have to not be too sensitive about it as well. So it's a very fine, it's a very fine line mm. and you've got to learn to, to, to play it, you know, a bit better. And I think that's what we're learning now. So as far as the Federation, Ben, um, 
our president, what he's done, Mark Arbib, was old sports minister for yeah. Labour Party, legend. Yeah. I, I have, I can't say any um, words. Do not describe what what I think he's done for the sport. I think our board has come a hell of a long way. I think in general our states have come a hell of a long way. Our state associations, our CEO, he's done a great job. He's been put under a lot of pressure. He was old touch judge for, um, for the NRL, mm. um, Darren Gosher. So uh, uh, it's it's we we as a sport, it's and I, I, it's a testament to the younger athletes, I think, because they're the ones really educating their coaches, educating the old generation. They're the ones that are really the beacons. They're the ones that are running out there. They're the ones that are posting on Instagram. They're the ones that are showing this. Uh, this cohesion, this understanding—they're a bit more liberal in their thoughts and a bit more uh, understanding in how they how they go about their sport. Where me, I was a bit more of a savage, you know, like our older generation was—you were there to make it happen. This is a bit different how you deal with younger athletes now. They're they're a lot they're a lot less savage in their approach and how they play sport. I don't like it. I like the old. Is that is, is that good or bad? Oh, mate, I think in athletics, and and this is going to be controversial. I think it's bad, and they're going to smack me for this, but I. I I think when you're dealing with a world sport like track and field where there's countries where some of the countries these kids are coming from, they don't win, they don't eat. Mm. So they're doing whatever they possibly can. It's a bit like fighting. Some of these some of these boxers that are coming, they're fighting for life. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, it was a real funny thing the other day. I've got to bring this up. We were at the gym, we were talking, and um, Johnny was watching young Brock Spar and stuff, and uh, somebody asked Johnny the difference between, you know, running and boxing and stuff, and Johnny – had this analogy that was just amazing. He said, but we lose a race, we just you know, walk across the track and whatever. <laughs> but in a fight, you lose your head punched in. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, and when he said it, really, yeah, he's done e- both. Ego yeah. gets hurt. You, you, yeah. everything, everything just gets yeah. bashed, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, running was a neat, like, like for me, coming from boxing was brilliant because I had I had the mental strength. Like yeah. when I ran up, and I think boxing actually, boxing actually did me dirty because I came into running and I was scared of nobody. Because uh, confront that that one on one confrontation with a man is yeah. something if you learn as a kid, is is, is so intense. It, it's it's and Jeff obviously can speak. I don't know if you boys have jumped in the ring and sparred. He, oh, this, he jumped in there, Paul. Yeah. Oh yeah. You had a crack. Yeah. But so you see, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, of course he does. <laughs> Fingers across there. Get him across, <laughs> come on, Paul. Come on. Get him there, Paul. <laughs> this guy, wow. Now, Ben's coming. Why Seems too pretty to do it. That's his money maker. You know what I it's a long way behind me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's something which when I'm going to running, like I feared nobody. Like I didn't, I just, I, I remember going to world champs in 03 and, and, and just finding out who was the best coach in the world. And I begged him for seven days to coach me. And eventually I tired him out where I called him that many times. He just said, look, man, just come. Like so, and then he ended up, he's like my uncle, John Smith. And I think he's one of the best coaches in the world. And he coached everyone from, Correct to Maurice Green or Ardo Bolden. He's just coached so many people. And, so and you mean you were training in America? That's who I was training yeah. with. I was training. So I lived in a I lived in the car for about six months when I first moved over. I just knew I had to be with him. Listen to this. And this um, and I already had Olympic silver medal, but I just had no money. And um, and uh, and Alan Jones, who mentored me through my whole career, the radio announcer, he he supported me going to uh, got me a plane ticket from Qantas. To get this, I went to him and I said, I, I need to get to America. I want to be with this coach. And then a friend I met in Olympics in 04, he said, I got a house, John. When I landed there, he had no house. He only had his car. So we ended up living in a car and then going like, he, and he had a girl he was dating, but she worked in an apartment site. So they had a demo apartment. So we'd go there, but be out by seven o'clock so they could take people through. And then we'd stay at a mate's couch on the weekend, which would go out on a Friday night. And uh, and then we lived with, I lived with about $4 a day. Just KFC had like a, um, 
a deal where a dollar chicken sandwiches. So I knew I could get two dollars for lunch, two sandwiches, and then two for dinner. Oh wow! And then um, <laughs> that's and, good. And then we we um and but then but then through Alan, he spoke to Mark Peters, who was head of the um the AIS at the time, and and because I got my Olympic silver medal, he convinced him to give me ten thousand dollars as a grant. And um <clears throat> and so I'm always grateful for Alan um for for what he how he helped me unconditionally, um and and boom that catapulted me. Then from there I. I made the final of world champs, the second Australian history to do so, um, and uh, and then I won Commonwealth six months later, and that that project that catapulted me into actually making money in the sport, and and um, yeah, you know, that was that was a mad ride, man. That 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 Los Angeles was yeah. Sorry, my story about two thousand and three. I remember I remember going there and seeing who the best in the world was, and I just decided there and then that I was going to beat him. Mm. That's what boxing did for me. But that's yeah. quite incredible because you already had a silver medal from the Olympics in the four by four hundred. Yeah. You go to the States, you're living in a car. Yeah. It's already successful, Olympian and, yeah. you know. But I think it was good for me because there wasn't enough success. And I think sometimes in Australia we we have one little bit of success and we think we've made it. It I, was the Rolls Royce she was living in. Yeah. It's <laughs> 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 not too bad. <laughs> it was LA, man. We got to look play. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I, I never I never looked at my medals until I retired. I never put any bit of memorabilia until I retired because I never wanted to look at what I've done because I didn't want to be complacent. My coach, I remember when I made the final world champs in Helsinki, uh, I was a shit kicker in the group. So you got you to understand, like, I'd pull up in my mate's car to training or on a bus in LA and these boys are pulling in Mercs, Range Rovers, Porsches. Like, we're talking Inga Miller, Tori Edwards. We're, we're talking, though, we had our own TV show, our, our training group um, in on Eurosport. And I, I just got to the group. So they're rock stars. We're going to Europe and they're on TV, right? So uh, I'm pulling up and um, so I had to always be the last. If we got our flights booked, I was always in the back. Yeah. I was always carrying bags. We got to uh, World Champs and I finally made the final. I'm walking back from the track after making the final and my coach is in the warm-up track and he goes, how did he go? I figured. I watched my fucking race. Like, wow. <laughs> I just ran. <laughs> like, and, um, and I was livid. I was filthy at him. Yeah. I, I went to warm down. I saw my, one of my training partners said, how dare you? Like, I'm the, like I, I, I bust my ass to get here. And, 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 my, and my training partner sort of knew the play, but he, he said, don't worry, just warm down. You'll be right. And I ran the final. I came last in the final. You know, my coach was very proud of me after the final. I said, well done, son, and everything. So anyway, years later, I caught up with my coach and I brought up that moment because he shattered me. I thought, how can you not? You know, didn't yeah, respect yeah, you enough to yeah, watch yeah, your race. respect me enough. I knew I was a shit kicker in the group, but <laughs> yeah, like, at least watch at my least, come on. Like, you know, it's the second Aussie in history, man. Give me some props. And, um, and he said, John, I watched your race, but I never wanted you to be complacent with only making the final. I wanted you to know that when we pull up to the championships, making a final is standard. Winning a medal is what we're there to do. Yeah. So, and that did drive me because I was so angry at him. When I went to Commonwealth, I just wanted to win, to win a major because there's three majors, Commonwealth, Worlds and Olympics. I just wanted to win a major so I could get that respect in the group and lucky I was blessed enough to be able to do it six months later. Wow. So that Commonwealth Games gold medal is your finest moment? Nah. Nah, probably I reckon – Berlin World Champs, the bronze medal in the relay yep. with the boys, right. yeah. Right. It was the first time I was sort of like a captain of the team. There were two younger guys that weren't that good um, at that. They were young, so mm-hmm. they, were, they were really raw, really scared to be at such a big stage. 
um, and just I spent a lot of time with them and, and I really felt like I, it was the first time in my career where such a selfish sport I could become selfless and, and give my energy that I um, that I had to right. make other people better and and that and it's weird man that, that gave me more joy than I love Commonwealth don't get me wrong like winning in front of 90,000 yeah. at the G was epic man like you know and as an individual too right? yeah. yeah as an individual I mean if we all look at individual medals but that that was that bronze medal at world champs mm. it's the first time again that that Australia has ever won a bronze medal in the 4x4 world championship so again there's something I've been a part of which is the first that's ever been done mm. um yeah, but being with seeing those two boys and the belief they had in me in the core amount, yeah, shit scared they were, and, and I broke rules because so they put you in different rooms, so they break. So runner one <clears> goes <throat> in that room when you come into the core room before you get out on the track. Runner two goes in that room, so you don't see each other. Right. So for a younger kid, it's quite nerve wracking because they're seeing their idols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they're about to run next to now, you know. And so I just walked out the room. I knew they were shit themselves, yeah. and, I, and I just and I, <clears> I started to fight one of the Americans. To break the 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 concentration. <laughs> concentration. What did you say? What did you say? Because they started, they started a war cry. Right. And I said, just, anyway, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> jam the war cry up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to jam that up. And then one of them got upset. But I knew two guys I trained with in the state, so I knew that nothing would really happen. But the other yeah. two didn't know that I knew. So then the boys, and then Andy got a bit, bit crazy, and then the boys had the car, and the boys were seeing, looking at me, yeah, going, oh, "What's going?" What's going on here? This is nuts, you know. Yeah, like the John's yeah. got the John's lost it. Yeah. So it took their minds off it, and, and I, I don't. I'm not saying that was the catalyst why they yeah, won, yeah, but but I, but I think it all helps. Hurt. And and both those guys came went on to one the other. The guy I helped whip my ass the next year. I was flat. <laughs> <laughs> I was flat. You helped him too much. I helped him yeah. too much. He yeah. kicked my ass the next year. So and the other kid he became a great full hurdler, and I think he became world ranked the following year. But that that to me was um. Was epic, you know. That was yeah. too, we we won that. Man, the joy we had. It's giving me shivers thinking about it now. Like the joy we had together, and that was a stadium where where Hitler and Jesse Owens. Yeah. Like, you know, we got to stand on the podium where, where Hitler stood, and 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 then all walked through the tunnel where apparently he cried after Jesse Owens after won. Jesse like that's yeah, right. huge, mate. Like it just it was such an epic moment, you know, and and all that stuff. So yeah, that was probably my best. But the, yeah, comms always always that was that was that was the making of me man when i came out and i, I talked bigger i found an article where the year before i said i will win and i will run 44 so i just caught it early so i had to back up my mouth you know what I mean? <laughs> you gotta do it yeah yeah wow um and what about the olympics tell us of the experience of winning silver at olympic games oh man this yeah it's not it's not gonna make you so it's not inspirational at all um i i hated running at that time right. i hated being part of the team um i just didn't feel welcome i didn't feel comfortable and uh I said to my dad, I said, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go to Olympic Games after World Champs in 03. That was my first team. I just didn't feel comfortable. And um, and my dad was like, you've got to go to Olympic Games. You know, at least when you CV, it's a good look, you know. It's, it's the pinnacle, you know. Yeah, but yeah. And isn't it crazy? Just, I mean, isn't it crazy <clears throat> how we sit here and then we hear somebody really talk about how much <laughs> they, he didn't care if he went to the Olympics yeah. because that's how he, well, that's how certain people or society made him feel. Yeah. Is it's it, sad. You, you say you, mm. what you didn't like running. Is it also because of the the, the racism and the things that yeah, were happening? Yeah, just a lot the, of things went on in the in a, in a world champ team that year in 03. There's a lot. I, I don't want to really talk going to death because we're going to have – it'll sort of bore the audience too much, you know. Like, But there's things that's happened which which um, I was a very um, – and Jeff knows I, I, I was quite a, an extroverted uh, – I like to have laugh, like to have fun, and mm. I was never naughty. I never did anything wrong, but I just called things out for what I saw. I spoke my truth, 
And at the time, athletics is quite conservative. Coming from boxing, you can sort of do that, right? Because eventually the truth is going to find well, you. It sells, it sells fights as well, you know? Well, it sells fights, but yeah. if you're cheeky in the gym, when you hop in a square circle, it's, the truth is going to find you. So yeah. there's no point being cheeky. You're just going to get either bashed or you're going to bash him. So yeah. running, it's not like that. You can run your mouth and no one – so I didn't have, didn't have that understanding my first team. So when people are disrespecting me because I was a younger kid, I couldn't take that. I didn't understand that. I didn't come on a team to be disrespected. I came on the team to be an equal and to yeah, be appreciated. Yeah, yeah. And appreciated. Yeah. But, you know, and at that time there was some hierarchy. And I respect hierarchy. Don't get me wrong, but there's a limit to it. Like, go to a line with me, but the minute I feel you're taking my liberties mm. and you're trying to, you're really belittling me, that's when I'm going to have a crack. Mm. So that happened in 03. So by the time 04 came, I said to my dad, I don't really, I'm not enjoying myself. My old man said, make the Olympic Games. At least you can have it on your CV. Anyway, I trained my butt off, moved to Sydney, lived with my auntie in Bexley. Um, was I was from Perth and um, and yeah made made the Olympic Games and um, and again I I ran very well and I missed out by point zero zero five of running the individual in Athens um, so I was a relay runner again I didn't want to be a relay runner I want to be the best in the world so I was like man, scrap these relays man like I, I, so when we got there Australia didn't really have a great chance of winning the silver medal yeah we had a good team but we didn't have a team to win a medal um, so. In the heats, we, we honestly, we ran well, but one of the guys in one of the legs didn't run so well. And we said, we, I vocalized that, that this kid can't run this leg because he shits on himself when he's in that leg. He's that's not, not built for that leg. Mm. But again, as I was the youngest, they didn't, nah, it's all right, cool. And I, I, didn't, I didn't expect them to listen to me. I was the youngest, so I was like, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I ran the heats and at that time I wasn't very fit. I was fast, but I wasn't fit. So after a 400, if you ever ran one, I was quite cactus. Yeah. So I was on my back, the finish line, just, lactated up and another guy with us, another Aussie guy was, and we were laying to each other and Clinton Hill ran over and said, boys, 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 we've made the final. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck, I'm going to go again. I was thinking I was going to go to Glafada in, in yeah, Athens. Yeah, in I was Athens. about to party on the beach. I was getting ready to have a good time. Go to the beach clubs. Bro, I'm telling you, and I'm thinking, oh, here we go. I'm thinking the lactic's really kicking in now. So anyway, warm down. See that these guys are thinking of party. I'm thinking as soon as I lost, I'm going home. I'm yeah, going home yeah. to train. No, nah, because I knew was my, I knew that was it for me. Well, that was it. Well, I was well, doing well, Olympics. I, I wasn't running again. Yeah. The sport wasn't going to be my love. Like I was, I was out. So um, and that changed after this. And this will explain the, 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 how everything sort of sort of changed for me after this. And we we went went we went back and then. Patrick John, Patrick Dwyer, that was his last race. He said, John, I'm going all out. I'm killing it. Um, Clinton Hill, he, he ran really bad in the individual. And then Mark ran bad in the heat. So all of us were angry. And I, it was my last race. I was yeah. leaving athletics. So we just made a pact, said, boys, whatever we do today, we're going to leave it out on the track. Like no, all out. no matter what happens, you, gotta, you better throw up blood. That's what's going to happen today. So I was pumped. Like before the race, I was yeah. I was G'd up, like ready to go. Right. And if you watch the race, you will see it. Like I am ready to rock. So I looked at the boys because they were standing there and I gave them a look like, I can stick to your word because I'm going hard here, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. why I always ran first. No matter what, in every reel, I always ran first. So I felt if they see my dedication to what I'm about to do, hopefully that that builds them up to have a crack, you yep. know? And the rest is history, man. Clinton ran the hell of a leg and we ended up winning a medal, man. So, um, that's and, incredible. And then from that day, um, I got a little bit of fame, you know, came home. And yeah, we all want fame when we're young, you know. So yeah, yeah. see my name in the paper and everything. And I got back and then um, 
And then I decided that day, I decided, nah, this is, this tastes too good, man. I need more medals, you know, the yeah, medals yeah, are yeah. brilliant. So, <laughs> uh, and then to answer Jess' question, from that day, I became a full professional in, into to my sport, um, dedicated everything, moved to America, lived in the, did, did everything to do, I realized that in order to be the best, I had to leave no stone unturned. And, um, and I did that for a good 11 years. It's a punishing event that you chose, the 400 metres, um, an incredibly difficult uh, event <laughs> to choose. I don't know. I chose poorly. <laughs> I, I really wanted to do the one and the two, but I wasn't good enough. Right. So the four found me, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, didn't find, I didn't want to be it. Yeah. So, yeah. How do you train for a 400 as a professional 400 metre runner? Uh, it's, it's funny because I, it depends what sort of um, energy system you have. I was more, uh, I had sort of half anaerobic, half aerobic. Right. Um, I wasn't a pure sprinter, but I, I had pretty good endurance okay. and um, so my coach worked out very early in the piece to to make sure I didn't I, I was smart enough not to do drugs so I did everything I could to build up to, to, to make up for where I knew I was lacking so one of those areas was um, in my midocrete and sort of my red blood cells sort of how, how it was yeah. transported so I made sure I did a hell of a lot of road work for a sprinter because I felt if, if I had very good conditioning it allowed me to train longer and train harder, yeah. which then, which that's what drugs allow you to course, do, train yeah. longer and train harder. So um, the problem with that is it put, takes a big toll on your body um, because you've got, you're getting a lot of quantity, you know, through training and volume. But if you're recovering well and not going out and not drinking and not doing all those things, that's where you make up for the amount of volume you're doing. That's yeah, where the young okay. kids get it twist. They see a training program, they think they can go as hard on the street as well as yeah. on on their training ground. So. Um, yeah, so anyway, did that, and that was that was pretty much we 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 just trained bloody hard, man. Like I just I'd left like again. I, I had a hyperbaric chamber at home. Um, I had lived with a physio for five years, so he I'd pay him to live with me, and um, they would travel the world with me, and and mm. just to say this, just everything, just like any what any professional would do. Um, Jeff did it. Um, I think what any good professional that wants to win that understands the importance of. Of it's a team that that sort of gets you there, and you put great people around you. They all give you five percent, one percent, yeah, and that that all adds up eventually. And then you're left to do the mm. the hard yards. You, you mentioned drugs. How clean is athletics, in oh, your yeah. opinion? Oh, is it a dirty sport? I mean, there's people have been caught. Obviously, Ben Johnson's probably the most famous. Uh, you know, I think it's no different to any other sport. I think when there's money, uh, there's corruption, and and power corrupts. So I think. Uh, I don't think it's any different to if somebody wants it bad enough, they're going to do whatever they can to get there. And that, and that's, 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 that was the, I guess, the moral dilemma I always had and every athlete has is, okay, what is going to be your line? And you've got to make that choice. And some athletes make that line, that, which includes drugs. I chose to make that line, which didn't include it. And I felt I was beating everybody without it yeah. to start off with. So I, in 07, I beat everybody in the world. But at, at one day meets in Madrid, I beat the, the US champion um, in um, in, I lost, came second in Monaco to the to the, the guy that came second that w- ended up winning world championships. I, um, like you know, I beat everyone. I beat yeah. everyone. I beat the, the former number one. I beat him in Sheffield in in England. So I, I felt I didn't need it. Um, where where it got to me is when you got to run rounds at a championships. These you, you, running rounds is what gets you at a championships. It's not. It's, you've got to run the heats, the semis, and the finals, and the, the heats and semis of a relay. That all takes a toll on you as you. Your nervous system, not so much physically how fit you are, just your nervous system gets fried. Do you know as an athlete, do you get a sense of who you think's on performance enhancements or uh, you don't really know? Assuming. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, when you you smash a guy in Monaco and then six weeks later he comes and smashes you by a second, yeah, you can kind of look around and be like, that 
doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, maybe he was injured, maybe he was sick, who knows? But, you know, Monaco, but, and that happened. I mean, I went to world champs, I finished number three in the world, and, and I came ninth at world champs. Yeah. You know, and I, sh- I felt I should have won. I should at least been in the top four at Worlds. I should at least won. I thought I could win a medal in, 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 in Osaka. And that still puzzles me to this day. Because mm. at that time, it was the fastest non qualifier to make a final round 44 eight, and our Australian record's 44 three. Mm. You know, and I didn't make the final, you know, like, and that was a heat. Like, yes. that was a semi final, which in the final, I felt I would have ran quicker. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I look, I got to a point, man, where I didn't give a shit. Like, in the end of the day, I knew how hard I trained and I knew I'll break them either physically or mentally when we got there. So, either way, you're going to feel my wrath and then you're going to have to deal when you retire anyway. That when you look, when I look at my medals, I know that, like, if my son or my daughter or your kids ask me, can I become a Commonwealth champion? I can say, sure, you can. Because I don't think I was that talented. I think I had a great work ethic. So, if I can do it, any kid can do it. You know, so it's great now working because I can. Insp- talk to anybody and they can't tell me that it's hard. No, it's not because I did it. It's, yeah. You can definitely yeah, you work hard. Like yeah. you, you know, so, yeah. you know. It's hard. you got to work hard. You know, yeah. Then, uh, yeah. I said I remember being and seeing you in America and knowing what you were doing. So, yeah, you got nothing for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Did any coaching staff or fellow athletes ever suggest to you that you should try some of the performance enhancing drugs that others were? No. No? No one? Never. Right. Never, ne- never. Australia, we're pretty, we're very good. Like yeah, like and that, that's and that's why, that's why I think, um, in the media, we gotta, we gotta do a better job. And I say myself as well, doing the small bit of media I do, um, in uh, representing what athletics stands for in this country. Fifty years ago, it it, it was swimming. Athletics was a real pinnacle in our sporting mm-hmm. culture. You know, you're talking '56. We're talking from then. That was real. And somehow that's disappeared because we, we we need this instant gratification now, you know, in the way we live our live our life. But um, we got to hero these young kids that are making finals. Yes, it's great we win a medal, but we got to mm. hero these kids that are making semis that are making finals, because making a final is like winning a medal at Olympic Games. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah, it's huge. Like so, if we have six kids that make a final as Australians, we should feel proud that we have an Australian representing us in the final. Now, if you're in the final, you're giving yourself a chance because a Bradbury moment can happen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven yeah, guys Bradbury can right. hamstring and next minute you're a gold medalist. But, but yeah. you've got to put yourself in that For position. Sure. You're still a you champion. you got to be in the race. Because yeah. they got hurt. They shouldn't have got hurt. They're still a champion, whether yeah, it is absolutely. or what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just think we got to do a better job. And that's what Jeff was alluding to earlier that when, and I think Ben as well, you were saying, do you think you've gotten enough recognition? I, I think this is part of our circumstances of how we, how we promote yeah. sport in this country. I don't think it's any fault. Um, of our of just the media, this thing is just the way we've evolved and what we find interesting. You know? Yeah, it's probably a bit of that in boxing as well because we're used to yeah. so much success in other sports. In, in these sports, mm-hmm. it's a different level of measure of success because of where we're placed. Well, you see on the weekend, um, Andrew Maloney is great. I yeah. mean, how shit it was, not the result, but it, we got to watch an Australian fight yeah. for a world title. That's really cool. It's no no disrespect to Andrew. It's nothing what Jeff was embarking on in his day, how, and that's what we related to. We always related to what Jeff did. But it's still a great achievement what, what the young bloke is trying to do and where he's wanting to embark on. So, mm. um, But you're right, boxing is very similar, I feel, um, that if it's not to the feats of a Floyd Mayweather or a Manny Pacquiao or a Jeff Fenney, um, we go, oh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. It's pretty good, but he still hasn't done what Jeff did or, or 
Manny's eight class, eight division world champion. Yeah, for know, sure. So. No, there's a lot of that. Yeah. There was always talk um, after you finished in athletics that in boxing circles that you were going to come and have a professional he bout. He still might be, Benny. <laughs> he <laughs> might <laughs> be calling out his name very soon. This boy's been training I think and he sparring should. with all the boys. With okay. Team. He's been sparring and training and doing great. He looks great. Somebody so else, is uh, there still a chance that you might do it? Got to speak to my manager. I'm on, I'm on that, French, that friendship um, yeah, percentage. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst percentage. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, I love 80, boxing. 80-20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, love, I love boxing. I, I think it's just the, the pugilistic sport of boxing. It's just the best. Like it's just there's something about it. I'm addicted to it. I, I have an itch I want to scratch. Um, and um, and – Look, if 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 everything if everything is right, I'd I'd love to get in there and. But again, I'd want to get I want to get really fit and I want to. What weight, Jeff? Uh, yeah, maybe what do you think, Johnny? 65, 66? Yeah, mate. Yeah, but right. uh, listen, we're gonna cut. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna cut this short now because I know that Johnny's got a real big thing that's just around the corner. Johnny's a a father of two beautiful children, Yola and the little um, Rusty. Rusty and um, his beautiful partner Sarah is. Most probably in labour at the moment. As we he's on, he's on the clock. So we're going to let Johnny get away <laughs> from you. I just want to say, Johnny, thank you so much, brother. It's an honour to have you on my on my podcast and it's, it's not letting people see how how smart and what a beautiful person you are, my brother. No, thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, I have mate. been tuning and I've been watching uh, the episodes oh, and um, and always, always humbled when I get to speak about my career because I think um, yeah, I'm truly blessed to be in that well, position. You should be very proud, had mate. a great thank one. You. That's right, brother. I love you, Johnny. No, thanks, you Thank you, guys. And don't, don't forget to subscribe, Standing 8, YouTube, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you.